This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best All Elite Wrestling podcast. I'm AB, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Nate. And I, Nate, I just want to ask, could you please let me clear my throat? Have mercy, babe. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> I had that. I had that CD single, mm. and I just fucking played it over and over and over. I loved it so much. I think my first ever album purchase was a CD single, uh, but of Gangsta's Paradise. Oh, I had. Oh no! I had the full album of the uh, Dangerous Minds soundtrack. Anything else on there? You know, <laughs> yeah, man. I feel like it, it, it seems impossible that we've never discussed the Dangerous Minds soundtrack before <laughs> on this show. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, it seems wild, but yeah, you had um, uh, Big Mike having things was a song that I really liked at the time. Um. I can't remember this song, but there was a Rappin' Forte song on it. And based on that song, I decided I was like the world's biggest Rappin' Forte fan. Rappin' for dash Tay. Rappin' yeah. for Ty. <laughs> oh, God. That's like Sammy Guevara's uh, rap album. Missy Elliott had a song on here under the name Sista. Uh, that's right. Wow. Yeah, and also a, a song called Gin and Juice that is not the song you're thinking of. <laughs> no, that you're thinking this is the uh, Devante Swing classic. But yes, the Dangerous Mind soundtrack rocked. I loved it. Uh, let me clear my... I remember specifically having Let Me Clear My Throat and uh, Uptown Baby. You remember that song? Um, can you sing it for me? Uh, I mean, on the spot, it's a little hard. Deja Vu, Uptown Baby. It is, uh, fuck. It's like, uh, god damn, why can't I think of it now? Oh, yeah, well, there's a lot of N-words in it. So, I mean, you know, it's like, if it if it wasn't for the Bronx, this rap shit probably never would be going on. So tell me where you're from. Uptown, baby. Uptown, baby. We get down, okay. baby. Up for the crown, baby. No? It uh, doesn't ring a bell. Pimp C has production credit on this soundtrack. I'm not sure which track it would have been on. Oh. Uh, I've just thought my entire life after Deja Vu by Lord Tariq and Peter Guns about the album. Uh, I mean, about the line. Well, it's a few lines. Friends call me <laughs> guns. Sons call me tripe because I'm quick to slide off and slide this dick up in your wife. And that's life. <laughs> You should learn how to treat her. I guarantee Peter knows how to eat her. They've said that about Peter all the time. It's the number one thing about <laughs> Peter. <laughs> yeah. So this was 1998. So I was I was 12, and this yeah. just fucking blew your mind. Yeah, it changed my whole life. <laughs> uh, okay, I think this is the perfect time to bring Mike in on this conversation. So right, Mike is also here. What's up, Mike? Hey y'all, I'm here. Uh, I don't have anything to add to that conversation. So, <laughs> per- perfect time. But I'm doing all right. How are you, Big Cat? I'm great. 
<laughs> just as believable as the first time. When we uh, you know, you know, I I would say it was ten percent more believable this time. Well, once we started talking about let me clear my throat and dangerous minds and blah blah blah, I was yeah. having a good time. That'll yeah. that'll boost your am I having a great night time by at least ten percent every time. <laughs> so you guys see the uh Madison Cawthorn sex tape? Should we talk about that? Um wait I uh, did see the video that was linked in the DM. Well, I, I assumed that this was going to happen with how they've been like pretty much trying to take him out so yeah it rocks did, did i see it no am i surprised by it no i i love that the guy just immediately was like oh yeah that's me for sure that <laughs> 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 fucking rolled but i was just goofing yeah. around right well it was hard to tell without going into the specifics of it uh it seems like maybe uh not was all as it seemed i don't know I don't know what was going on and it was wild. But no, there was like enough there that he could have just been like, that's the fucking not me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the strategy really that, that shows his, uh, his inexperience is that he didn't just deny, deny, deny. Yeah. It's, it always works. So anyway. Um, all right. Well, I've run out of weird things to talk about. Yeah. I was trying to find what track, Pimp C might have produced on this soundtrack, and I can't find it. Okay. I'm interested in that. Pimp C, I don't know how long I've been in therapy now, but I bet Pimp C has come up in a solid one-third of the sessions. <laughs> I've mentioned Pimp C. That's a pretty good rate, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, just have a lot of thoughts about Pimp C. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, for like a certain generation, like that, the, that's the... Up- entirely appropriate amount of pimp C to be going through your mind at any time. Yeah. That's yeah. Not, not what I imagine therapy to be like, really, but uh, <laughs> that, it doesn't sound so bad. Nate, how long have you known me? You know, I just will say whatever random shit I'm thinking Guys, about. I, I, I think I figured out what track he did. Oh, okay. having things. Oh, oh really? that, now it makes more sense. Why I love that song so much. Yeah. Because big Mike's from new Orleans and was also based in Houston. At that time. Oh yeah, he was on rap a lot. Oh yep, you are yeah. right. I I finally found the the external link that took me to the right place. You're correct about that. Big Mike, producer, Pimpsey. Wow. There we go. Ninth Ward. It's a great the hook on this song is really good. Just you have to trust me on this one. I mean, you should all go listen to it. I uh, I mean it's produced by Pimp C, so you already yeah. know what my inclination is towards it. Yeah, it rocks. Um well, I like it all started because I was trying to explain my very weird intrusive thoughts to uh, my therapist. Hmm. And I had like this, per- I mean, not particularly offensive, but pretty offensive uh, Pip C lyric, like just constantly in my head that week. I was just like saying it all the time. And so I was like, this is. This is an example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely relate to that. Just having some, you know, one bar phrase from a rap song, just like running through your head all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the less offensive one, like the next week, I was like, well, this week it's money on the dresser, drive a compressor. I'm just like saying that over and over. One so. of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah. It's a great song. Great line. So yeah, Pepsi's cool. I talk about him a lot. 
Um, I'm really glad to have pulled together this this loop that he produced this song that I loved as a let's see what what year we took 1995. So as a nine year old. <laughs> I, I just loved this song. Well, that's that's what we're here for. This is, you know, you, you might go to therapy elsewhere, but this is where you really come and reach resolution of your issues is on this podcast. That's true. I, I'd have to agree with that. Um, I've grown a lot on this podcast. I, I want to shout out uh, track 11, which is the Gin and Juice by Devante Swing, not the, not the Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. Uh, the publishing company for whoever is the writer, producer, arranger, I guess it's Devante Swing himself. His publishing company is named in all caps, his damn self int. <laughs> Great company. Great company. So the credit on here is written, produced, arranged, and performed by Devante Swing, his damn self entertainment. I think they should change it to Tully Blanchard, his damn self enterprises. There you go. That'd be an upgrade. <laughs> that rules. There's only like three songs on here that have uh, a Wikipedia page, so that's very sad. Yeah, now you got to go to the Discogs link at the bottom. Oh, Discogs probably has all the data. This is why oh, all yeah. the people in our Discord were sharing their Discog links, all their vinyl perverts. Yeah. Um, you know, the Discord really quite a bit of music conversation a lot of the time. Uh, you know, whether it be a lot of your hardcore metalheads, and then occasionally we run K-pop run-ins in there. Um, yeah, it's like most of what gets discussed in there. I feel like. Yeah, the amount. I mean, not just K-pop. I saw some uh, C-pop discussion the other day. Whoa, mm-hmm. I've, I'm going through po- uh, puberty. I almost said I'm going through <laughs> poverty. That's a little. I don't think that makes your your voice crack. <laughs> but it's been a while. Um. But yeah, there KY in our Discord is just like a fucking font of knowledge. Yeah, really like running a Asian pop survey course in the in the Discord. Yeah, but then he also posted one day a picture of himself in a terror sweatshirt, which is uh-huh. like a tough guy hardcore band that I like. Uh, so that like threw me for a fucking loop. KY being into terror. I know KY jumps into the all the hardcore conversations and shit too, and and talks about all these bands that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool place, so you should go there to our our Discord. All right, Twitter at everything AEW. <laughs> I'm on this Discogs now, and there's a song produced by Chris Stokes, and I thought it said Chris Strokes, which is uh. <laughs> A porn star, folks, if you didn't know. Oh, okay. It really sent me for a loop. Uh, another thing that sent me for a loop. Uh, Timbaland also produced uh, a song on this album. I, uh, yeah, I assume the, the Missy Elliott song. No. No? No, a different one. He produced the Mr. Dalvin and Static song, True OG, which I don't remember at all. Okay. He did yeah, additional right. production. Additional production. It. Yeah. I gotta, uh, man, I gotta start looking at Discogs for things. Yeah. I didn't realize. I mean, I'm on Discogs with some regularity, but I never thought about it for this purpose. So uh, now I'm, I'm going to use it even more. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Whatever podcast app you use, you can just search everything elite. You'll find us. Or you can use our link tree. It's Linktree slash everything AEW. If you use the Apple Podcast app or Spotify, you can give us a five-star rating and on uh, iTunes or Apple a uh, review. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We got a lot of cool stuff that just came out and a lot of stuff planned for this month. So we'll talk about that a little later. But we'll kick off the show as we do with Elite or Delete. Nate, buddy, what was your uh, your favorite thing from this week's show? Well, I uh, I came to a realization on this show. Um, you know, you got your Kenta Kobashi's, Terry Funk, Mitsuhara Misawa, Steve Austin, Ric Flair, Toshiaka Kawada, and I'm adding a name to the list. Wardlow, the war dog, simply one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, tremendous segment on this show of uh, really dialing up the security guard meter to 11. Uh, after his uh, pretty decisive win over one W. Morrissey, who was amusing to see on this show. And I was uh, kind of, I guess, impressed by them just beating this guy because I assume he's like pushed an impact, but I guess I don't know. Beating him with a single power bomb Didn't have to go into the symphony. Uh, and then the post-match angle with Wardlow running through a veritable army of security guards while the crowd goes absolutely apeshit. Uh, that was probably the best thing on this episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, you know, they're pushing it ahead to next week to do a contract signing. Just, you know, a very simple angle here, and it's uh, paying dividends. And they're going to go into Long Island with MJF in his hometown to do the big sort of talking angle, which is uh, a great place to do it. Cause I think, you know, whatever the last show they did in Long Island with MJF as the big time baby face was a joy to watch with the, the pre match, no pre segment promo of him, like driving to his high school football field and shit. So I think that's going to give a, a different kind of energy to, MJF coming out and doing this contract signing with Wardlow and advancing that feud to some kind of conclusion. Uh, but yeah, this has been just a fun time every time out with Wardlow running through security guards uh, and escalating nicely. They've taken his music away. He's going to get a big song whenever he gets his music back. They're going to put some big steps on wherever this match is to, uh, you know, dress it up and, and make it a clear kind of, uh, decisive win i presume for wardlow um and yeah just a well-booked simple angle from start to finish the initial turn i didn't think was you know the clearest thing it wasn't reading in the in the rafters to me when they had him come out at the end of that mjf punk match and and not have the ring for mjf uh you know i i thought that they could have done a bigger kind of moment of the turn when he would uh betray mjf you know you you remember the batista thumbs up thumbs down which is like just a slow burn and then that one big moment where the crowd absolutely goes crazy uh but they've gotten many more weeks out of it this way so i i can't criticize it too much and warlow's awesome warlow was awesome in the match warlow salt he's sneaky agile 
yeah, been saying since day one, Wardlow's the man, and uh, he continues to prove it week after week. Yeah, it, it's something that that with AEW and it's something that kind of sometimes frustrates me, but when, when something's pulled off so well, like the Wardlow turn and the Wardlow just overall treatment, it it does make you take a step back and it makes you wonder, why don't you do this for everything? Why don't you put forth the care that this storyline has? And I mean, probably the reason is because not all the storylines involve MJF, but Wardlow has come off, more and more like a star each time. And, you, you know, for this match, it felt like it was like the perfect, like almost like escalation point to to bring it into the home stretch, man, with them in Long Island next week. That that just makes sense for it. And we might only get one or two labors of Wardlow because of the time before the pay-per-view, which is kind of surprising. So that they haven't made a wrong step with the Wardlow turn since the turn happened. And it's something where it's like, oh yeah, now you can't contain him with all the security guards. So of course you have to now build two and do the match. It was just perfectly done. Did I do my Wardlow movie star take on this show or on world tour? This show. Well, I mean, well, okay. you know, but let me, let me give myself credit first. I'm the one that's been saying he's, he should be in movies. Um, and have been saying that for a while. You had the specific uh, take about him entering the arena with all the security guards and smart Mark Sterling and how he played that scene in particular. Right. And then I was saying he like could at least be as, as big as Dave Bautista uh, as a, as a movie star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bautista is definitely the comp. Yeah. So I, well, I'm not going to repeat it then. I'm just going to say, yeah, it's still true. He looked great here. Uh, and, you know, it, this was a, a pretty shitty crowd, I thought. And they were, they were, like, I thought the hottest point was when Wardlow came out. Uh, you know, people were excited for the War Dog. Uh, will War Pigs be his big music, entrance music, when uh, when that happened? So now uh, this we did talk about on World Tour, although it was my episode this week. Um, yeah, I think they... Must be doing that because MJF has really put a point on and Sean Spears, not just calling him a piggy anymore, but Sean Spears saying, no, he's a war pig, you little war pig. Uh, And what makes it decisive to me is that they took his music away. So I think you don't do that unless you're changing. Yeah, I was going, we haven't even talked about William Morrissey. Yeah, who was also part of this segment. And uh, he fucking rocked. It was awesome. <laughs> he was great. I was happy to see him. Uh, it paid off. You know, I was very excited about this happening. And it fulfilled every expectation that I had. I was surprised that they beat him with just one power bomb, especially like the match went on for a decent period of time. So that that was pretty surprising. But, you know, Tony has proven over and again that he does not give a single fuck about impact and doing anything that might be helpful. Yeah, well, you know, I think maybe they benefit a little just from having W. Morrissey get any kind of exposure, really, and be like, hey, remember this guy who you like and react so big for? Uh, Look, he's really tall. He's ripped. Uh, You know, nice little match. 
if you want to see more of him, you got to watch this other television show. Is that going to be successful? I don't think so. Um, but I, I can imagine that being their logic. All right, Mike, your turn. What was your elite pick from this week's show? Well, the thing that I, after Wardlow and W. Morrissey, the, the thing that kept my head kind of spinning and just was like the thing I was like, well, that's pro wrestling. And I enjoyed the most was the varsity blondes and house of black having their final or finally coming face to face. Uh, Brian Pillman jr. Cutting just another, uh, just shouty promo with John Harbaugh in the crowd, bringing in John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh, making sure they have a camera on him so that he could smile and nod approvingly to this incredibly unhinged promo to the to house of black all coming out and treating the varsity blondes like a bunch of scrubs and while well, julia is like having a panic attack and then they give her the chair she can't do it you know she's either laughing or shaking we can't really tell malachi steals away the chair rips off her eye patch and then you know, uh, Death Triangle comes out because they were running short on time and they kind of wanted to fold this into the next match. It just was, it, it, it just really popped me. Like, all the beats in this really kind of just, just, just tickled me in the right way. And Aaron, Brian Pillman Jr., yet another star quality, star making promo out of him this week. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, I know that a lot of people were kind of like, this is just, getting bizarre or like why are why is this going on so long but i thought that this was was pitch perfect i love <laughs> um yeah so i'm glad to see this in the elite part of the show because i'm sure a lot of other podcasts would delete this for being bad uh now was it bad yes did i enjoy it yes i enjoyed it a fair amount quite a bit really um you know the the pillman promo where he's you know trying to sell emotion and stuff and then you know escalating into intensity because he's a fiery baby face uh he's better at the intense fiery baby face part of that than he is the you know selling conflicted emotion about his uh cheerleader friend uh but yeah the addition of john harbaugh ringside for that really put it over the top into like delightfully weird territory um i did you know when the house of black stuff started uh cubs tweeted that they should cut back to john harbaugh and i really wish they had but i have to imagine he was out of the building immediately <laughs> there's like i can't believe you know uh tony god got me to do this or whatever uh so that amused me a lot um yeah so julia well i'll say it, it was a success in that there did anything to like advance this because uh, it's been going on a long time uh, it was also a success in that when the House of Black entered, they got kind of their biggest reaction since the Cody feud, I thought, because, you know, for all the Death Triangle stuff that they've been doing, they just don't really get reactions to indicate that the crowd really cares about them. Um, however, <laughs> once the action started and once Malachi like kicked Brian Pillman, the heat just all instantly vanished from the building, uh, which is one of my favorite recurring tropes in AEW, which is that these guys do their big spooky stuff and the match starts and just everybody goes to the concessions or whatever. Uh, I thought Julia was good, like selling her fear of Malachi Black or whatever with the quivering lip. Um, that was a nice little detail. Really, I think they have two opportunities here to save the House of Black and make it good. 
Uh, one, the crowd wanted the Julia turn here really bad. They wanted the corrupted goth cheerleader. Um, that would make the crowd care and be invested um, at all, which I don't think they aren't currently. So Julia Hart is one of the keys to saving the House of Black. Uh, the other is the one that I tweeted, which is they merged the House of Black with the Jericho Appreciation Society for a new corporate ministry. Uh, uh, John uh, proposed the day in the House of Society, which I like. Uh, and then you have Jericho with his new nickname, The Wizard, in all white. And then the entire Jericho Appreciation Society and House of Black behind him in all black. Uh, that would be real good shit to me. So those are my ideas to say the House of Black, which right now is bad and doesn't work, uh, but was amusing on this night, mostly because of Brian Pillman's weird energy and Julia Hart. I thought Julia also had a cool thing where when they were like leading her past Griff, she had this like evil little smile on her face for just a second. And I was, I think she's d done really well. She had a match on Dark a couple of weeks ago that was, or Elevation, I don't fucking know. But she had like these great characterizations and mannerisms and she's really coming around. So whatever else you have to say about this whole story, which might be a too broad of a word to apply to what they've done here. Uh, Julia has been well served, like on a personal basis from it. Like she has improved uh, during this. So that's good. Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, yes. As Mike said, was great as always. Uh, it, it started a little slow with the promo, but definitely once it kicked in, I was like, yes, this is what he does. And the crowd got behind him a little. Not It wasn't great, but the crowd was like, okay, you know, we, we can go along with this. Yeah, John Harbaugh. I, I guess the disappointing thing was that John Harbaugh didn't make the save on the attack. That was a bummer <laughs> to me. Um, I would have liked to have seen that, you know, and like, doesn't he have like, a lot of friends who are uh, big guys, you know, you could have seen some fucking Baltimore Ravens come out to help make the save. I think that I would think have he been... had. I think he had Ravens behind him. Well, okay. Then they all should have come out to make the save. That would have been sick. Uh, bring back Michael Orr from uh, Blindside. <laughs> What's he doing nowadays? Jacoby like, Jones, he was a Baltimore Raven. Sandra Bullock maybe comes out. Ooh. And makes the save. Promote our new movie with Channing Tatum. Yeah, Tim McGraw comes out. Um, you know, I think that would have been a cool angle. Maybe that would have saved the House of Black. Are they what are if, they dating? Is that the connection? They're the mom and dad in the in the blindside oh. movie. <laughs> okay. Uh maybe Sandra Bullock turns heel, you know, and, and <laughs> But she's America's sweetheart. Oh, she gets yeah. gooped? Oh, you can't goop Sandy. Sandra Bullock gets gooped by Jesse James. By Julia. Uh, Jesse he, James is canceled. Can't do Jesse James. He, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. He's partly canceled it, because of what he did to Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah. He did her dirty. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like Sandy. Yeah, we don't. Well, we well, can't reward bad behavior like no, that. No, 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 no. She is America's sweetheart. Come on. He, he pulled Julia, a Seth Rollins. Julia goops Sandra Bullock. There we go. I think we can work with that. Okay. And they set up a match for Double or Nothing. Oh, fuck. Oh. I would love to see Julia versus Sandra Bullock. <laughs> that would talk me right into the fucking building. Easily. Although that's that's another, you know, like like with Wardlow, you know, Sandy Bullock might say, hey, Julia, your mannerisms, they're great. You can just come do movies with me instead of this wrestling thing. 
She should. I love that you call so her how, Sandy. So, so how long until Sandy gets her into a, a Nancy Myers movie? Because I feel uh, like that's really like Julia is going to like be like the be like the younger sister in one of those movies, and it's just going to take off for her after that. I think Julia really missed her time because she would have been perfect for like she's all that. Well, they're probably remaking that as a Peacock original series soon. So yeah, that's, that's true. Discovery that's an Plus. Option. That's true. So that might work out for Julia. Uh, I just, you know, wrestling is a freak show. And I've, <laughs> I've just learned to accept that. And now I'm just like, no, I just want to see the weirdest, most freak show shit. Like, I think that's uh, what's fun. So, yeah, Sandra Bullock versus Julia. A main event in any arena. I would love to see that. Absolutely. Okay, I think it's my turn to pick an elite. Oh yeah, you guys left this for me. It's uh, it's the Hangman promo. Um, here's my hot take: Hangman is a better promo than CM Punk in 2022. I see Nate thinking. He's thinking, uh, but I just think it's it's true, especially because. This is something that they haven't really done. Uh, this is like a much more interesting thing than any of CM Punk's other like face versus face feuds. And, uh, you know, Paige actually gets a chance to do something interesting. Thought he knocked out of the park, you know, playing into the whole what they do in all these feuds. was like, well, I just I respect you. We're going to have a cool match, you know, which has been every other CM Punk feud. And he's like. You know, fuck that. And not only does he say, fuck that, I'm going to kill you, but the crowd goes along with it. The crowd's like, you know what? Hell yeah, let's fucking go. Uh, you're going to kill CM Punk. So I thought it was great. I'm definitely more excited about this match tonight than I was before the show started. Yeah, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I mean, I, you know, CM Punk did have the Eddie feud, which had a different bent to it in those promos. Also, his, his MJF feud was also a whole different other lane. Um, so I'm not sure you're being entirely fair to his promos. Um, but it is more interesting to have Hangman do this than what CM Punk is often put in the role of doing, which is, as we've discussed, you know, the SNL host for the night and the voice of the babyface voice of the company and stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, he's just kind of being his uh, his more mature old man punk thing a lot of the time um where you know like the promo he cut for this match where he's like i'm not you know i don't i can't promise that i'm gonna win you know a lot of this has been you know can i still do this do i still have it uh and I, i'm you know i think i do and i'm gonna do it until the wheels fall off etc so there's not a lot of like vigor and fury and stuff in that uh, which I think uh, often appeals to you, Aaron. Uh, but I did enjoy this a lot. Of course, I popped huge for the line about masturbatory Bret Hart matches, tribute matches, because we discussed that on this show last week. Um, and, you know, he, uh, Adam Page made an enemy of Dax Harwood who did a tweet about it. Uh, so you know it's good because he's pissing off Dax Harwood for, for doing his name drop ass wrestling. Uh, yeah, it was very good. I don't, the crowd I thought was pretty split on it. I thought the crowd was mostly pretty good uh, when they were given <laughs> things that they knew how to react to. Um, 
but I thought they were pretty split. And then Hangman calling out a fan directly in the crowd for his CM Punk shirt. Uh, that's like firmly like a heel move. You know, I don't think this is like a, a heel turn. Like we have to put big labels on it or whatever. And it's like, no, he has to come out of the other tunnel now. I think it's just probably the smart way to do this where, you know, Punk is likely to get bigger reactions, especially from like a traveling crowd in Vegas. So Hangman takes the other side of it, takes the Tanahashi side. And it's like, okay, I'm going to work, you know, kind of heel against you in this feud. Um, so yeah, it was very good. I liked it. The match should be cool. I will not be making the mistake I made in New Orleans. I will be rooting for Adam Page Good in man. Vegas this year. I don't even know if it was like a full-on heelish thing how he was acting. Like we're not breaking out the he- the the hangman heel meter for this. Like that that that's saying vaulted with the demo god pulpit this week. But I I did like the fact that I'll. The, the big undertone with the rise of Hangman is predicated on the idea that the crowd always believed in him. And when he finally started to listen to the crowd, he believed in himself. This is him finally facing someone who has more of the command of the crowd that the crowd has already kind of in a lot of ways selected over him. When you think about like CM Punk as that SNL host, not as a champion, not being like the champion and making it his show. So I felt like that aggression, did it come off as more like heel behavior if you want to just go on a strict binary context? Yeah, no, it it was a full-on attack on CM Punk. But was it something that fits Hangman, especially like the idea of Hangman in the back of his head probably thinking, and I think that it's worth reading into this in this way, is it him thinking they, they're starting to abandon me, so I'm going to abandon them first? For this match because I can't compare with CM Punk or is it just I'm just confident this is my show and I find both both lanes if they choose to go down that would be equally interesting and it's something that with Hangman as this title run we're about to cross the the half year mark with it it is it, an interesting wrinkle you know it's something where after Punk one would would wonder who would be the next person up for Hangman with that, like it's six months, he's had he has some big defenses already, so it's okay. But so adding in this wrinkle of him showing this edge, I think is kind of a necessary thing for him as champion if he were to go further. Yeah, I like that. It's an interesting uh, next step at Hangman's arc or whatever. Where yeah, I've been talking about the crowd's belief in him despite him not believing in himself, and now we're reaching the point where hey maybe he's become fully realized and now he fully believes in himself he beat brian danielson twice or he tied with him twice and beat him once beat adam cole twice uh now he's taking the bull by the horns and uh uh going to believe that he can beat cm punk um but yeah you know cm punk could also win and uh i i think with this match you can really go either way uh i don't think there's necessarily a wrong pick for a winner in this match and both are interesting um, and yeah, I don't really think you even hurt Hangman Page if he were to lose, because uh, you can get it back to him in short order either way. I I really think there's like a less than 5% chance that Punk wins this match. I think like the promos tell us that Page is winning. I I think Page has to win. Like, I think it'd be, I disagree. I think it'd be very bad if, if Page lost the match. But with Paige, though, 
And with Punk, you're working on a time frame with Punk. Does that change your calculus at all there? Like, it seems like that your considerations is purely on the angle, and that's totally fine and justified. But I think that also the fact that, I mean, Punk is in his mid-40s now and all of that, and knowing his history, I think that it's something that I think would have to be taken into consideration with this. Like, if you want to give him a belt, this is the time. Because who yeah, knows who's coming another time. But Punk doesn't need a belt. I mean, it doesn't really matter if he's ever the champion. He doesn't need the belt, but he is probably your, your biggest star. And right, I, I think probably Tony goes, yeah, you know, I want to have CM Punk on this title history of the, the AEW title. It's going to be the top title in wrestling. Uh, and want to have a, a big historic star like CM Punk on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Paige would be fine, really. And... Uh, can come back and beat Punk for it uh, and is not hurt at all, I don't think, because Punk is a big enough star that losing to him doesn't hurt. You know, if, if Punk lost to Adam Cole, that would hurt. I mean, if, if Paige lost to Adam Cole, that would hurt. But Punk is, is, is uh, you know, many tiers above, I think, so. Right, which is why I think it does even more for Paige to just beat him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can go either way. Um Honestly, I think uh, what is most interesting to me about it is what that means for the New Japan show and if they do title matches on that show. Well, it's, wasn't Tanahashi a big Page guy? Did I make that up? He, yes, he was. Uh, Tanahashi was going to save Page from the Bullet Club and wanted to take him under his wing. Yeah, so maybe you can do Page versus Tanahashi. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'll throw my fantasy booking out there. I think the the peak thing you can do, the biggest reaction thing you can do is Punk beats Paige for the title, Punk drops the title to Okada, and then the show closes with Kenny coming out to confront Okada and want the belt. Ooh. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be insane, obviously. That'd be fun. That's the biggest possible thing you can do. Um, you know, and you can do a lesser version of that by just having Punk challenge for the IWGP title and, you know, lose to Okada or whatever. Yeah. But your thing is more fun in that it's like, it would be really unexpected. You would just assume there's no way Okada can win the AEW title, right? So that, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Punk, Punk, Page versus Okada is not the same to me, really. Page is not, not quite on that level of, you know, gargantuan megaton main event title match kind of thing for a historic show like that. So, yeah, I mean, you could do it. Not not quite as juicy to me. Just, you know, the solution is to reunite the decade for the for the uh, New Japan show. And that's always starting through my mind. <laughs> you got BJ there. Yeah. I mean, to Darius Thomas, I mean, j just a phone call away. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe Roddy gets out of his contract. Oh, yeah. Shit. Shit. <laughs> this, is, this is coming closer to fruition than I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so sure. sick. Roddy comes in and like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to rejoin my friends in the Undisputed, now the Undisputed Elite. Uh, and then it's a big swerve and and – uh, Hangman comes out to get his revenge on the elite, and BJ Whitmer also there. 
Donovan Dijak. Oh no, he was House of Truth, wasn't he? No, he was House That's of Truth. Right. What did they did the did the decade have like like boxing ring buckets that they would have yeah. like yep. cold compresses in or something? Yeah, that's because Adam Page and Tadarius Thomas were supposed to be their young boys, and they were supposed yes. to have like a spit bucket with that. I mean, we just have to make sure that uh, Sandra the Seamstress just has enough pink for the decade because they're going to bring back out the pink, and I'm oh, ready for it. At least. Colby Carino is who I forgot about. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he betrayed his father. Yeah, l- right. let's remember some 2000. So he was he was uh, Ring of Honor. He was fixated on B.J. He was transfixed by B.J. Whitmer, his his father's arch nemesis. That's right. I mean, this was good stuff. I mean, this, you know, Tony loves to rerun his IWGP junior tag division of 2012. Uh, but the real money is in rerunning the decade from the same era of Ring of Honor. And, you know, Delirious is is free and clear you can have him in the parking lot i mean it's an easy easy booking all right i think it's time for our listener elite and i'm just gonna go with the one i was gonna pick if one of you all talked about the hangman promo uh so our listener elite comes from our patron and friend chelsea who says elite gun club and the acclaimed i couldn't agree more this you know i had to talk about the hangman promo but this was probably actually the best thing on the show <laughs> was very fun um you know just nice little uh uh change of pace segment backstage where it's like yeah we're not gonna have our little backstage interview with the same set and have tony there interviewing whoever uh no we get the gun club up to some hijinks and purchasing gifts with their daddy for the acclaimed uh yeah it was uh it tickled me it brought me joy yeah, now now they're scissor friends. And I mean, those are the closest friends you could be. So, yeah, it just was a tremendous, like, 45-second thing that, you know, you, you let people cook and they're just going to make a, de- a delicious meal for you, just as this. And, and now imagine the 10-man tags that are going to happen on Elevation, Aaron. Like, them versus, <laughs> the, them versus Dark Order for the next four months in various carnations. Can't wait. It, can't wait to, I, I mean you're gonna get the factory with them too so you can do like an 16 man tag i can't wait wait to see the uh match graphic and then fast forward immediately to the next match they need uh they need a motion graphic where it's all five of them and they're all scissoring each other on the motion graphic that needs to be done uh yeah i talked about this on world tour but like the the gun club acclaim segments are kind of remarkable for just like having any kind of contemporary young person energy in your pro wrestling, you know, you imagine, you imagine some, uh, failed television writer on raw, like trying to write something like this and it just doesn't feel as organic or naturally silly as it does when you have these actual young people who are like, yeah, we're going to buy them literal scissors because they like to do this weird sexual scissor things with their hands. You know, it, it defies explanation, but, uh, that's what makes it so fun. Someone in the Discord said they were watching with like, you know, friends like that aren't wrestling fans or whatever. And it's like, I just ignored this and just tried <laughs> to move on without explaining it at all. <laughs> you see, they like to to scissor their fingers together. Uh, um, so they got them real scissors, which you can't you can't use on each other's fingers. No, you can't. 
<laughs> at all. Uh, so that was good. All right. Well, let's talk about what we didn't like. Uh, so Nate, hit us with your delete pick from this week's show. Yeah, so got to delete the main event, um, not necessarily the match itself, not the booking, but really just putting this match in the main event spot. Uh, just not not putting your talent in a position to to let them succeed to the best of their ability, I don't think. Um, you know, I guess we give them the benefit of the doubt. The idea is, hey, we're going to have a big women's title match on this show. Uh, we should put the women in the main event spot which is uh, a good inclination to have, except that you have really not invested any time in this match or these women uh, in this, on this television program program. Um, you know, when it's Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa or whatever, have at it, please do it. Cause you know, the crowd is bought into Britt Baker. You've spent a lot of time getting her over on television uh, and Thunder Rosa was like her natural rival. So it's like, you're having a big stip match. Hell yeah. Those women should be in the main event of dynamite. Um, but you know, Mercedes Martinez, uh, unfortunately just not over in this company. Um, they brought her in as the, the heavy in the Brit stable. And then she split off from them and joined up with Thunder Rosa to go against them. And they've done things with her, but uh, she just doesn't get any reactions. Doesn't get reactions in any city. Um, and, People just aren't buying into her, really. Uh, and then Diana uh, is not is not on your television at all. Um, not someone who you've established as a big star from outside, really. Uh, you know, is the is on Impact, which nobody watches. So you just don't have the necessary fan investment for them to go. Yeah, I'm going to be super hyped for this title match. Also. You have two belts out there. I, I, you just a match is less important when it's combining a real title and an interim title than it is, you know, somebody challenging for a title. I think because you've already you've already inflated the belts. Where it's like, yeah, they both have belts, uh, so one of them's going to lose their half belt, and the other one's going to gain a half belt. Uh, and you know, it was evident from the finish and from like the commentary on the finish that. You know, it just wasn't a big moment to have somebody win the Ring of Honor Women's title, which also was never a well-booked or important or protected title. <laughs> um, I I think they had a, a solid little main event here, um, really uh, overcoming the difficulty of a crowd who was not interested in the match. Uh, they wrestled a pretty solid match and had some nice exchanges going into the finish that got some pretty decent reactions. Uh, you know, the, it was by no means like a bad match, but it's the main event of your TV and you're putting the ring of honor women's television or ring of honor women's title there uh, between two women that people don't really know, let alone get invested in. So yeah, that to me was a mistake putting it in that spot you could have put the Phoenix and Dante match in that spot. Uh, and that probably would have been better. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, but I, I guess that's probably just the end of Deanna here. Cause she's still under impact contract. So they got their belt. That's the other thing. The, the, the result was a foregone conclusion. 
because <laughs> one of these women is on your roster and the other one is not. So, hey, I appreciate that they wanted to clean up the the titles and be like, you know, hey, we, we want to have an actual match. We don't want to just strip Diana of the title. We want to have an actual match uh, and protect the lineage of the titles and stuff. But yeah, just didn't, wasn't going to succeed in this spot under any circumstances. So it shouldn't have been in this spot. You see, Nate, I think you're actually being way too fair this match. I thought this match stunk. I th- I thought that Deanna did looked really, and this is a very rare, th- rare thing. I thought that she looked like that she was not like primetime TV ready for this main event. She looked, it, she looked almost intimidated in a way. Mercedes was fine, but just was like these. I I thought it was very clear that there was not a whole lot of chemistry, and. That there really was no reason to be given chemistry, as you were saying, with how they built it. So, like, how are you going to derive any sort of investment when all you've done to build this up is a horrific uh, bathroom promo by Deanna that's interspliced with, like, professionally done uh, B-roll from Mercedes? So, like, why should anyone really care? Like, because you're not given any reason to. So then you're putting this in your main event, as you said. And... I know there's the whole thing about oh it's the it's the title match on the show. It's got to main event. No, it doesn't. It's Ring of Honor. It's not one of it's not an AEW title you're electing to do so because your own desire of continuity, which hey, I mean, it's your show. You want to keep that continuity, that's cool. But you've set it to fail. Like there's no way that this match could succeed. And it was clear at that point that they were going short on time too. I mean the way that Phoenix lost his entrance there, like that's something that that's an old Gabe Sapolsky trick on. If the show's going wrong long, then we want everything to run in together. So you have the feeling that the show's not long as long as it actually is. So th- th- there's just no way that this was going to be a success. Like it, it, unless your judgment of success is like Nate saying, cleaning up the titles, getting the belt onto a contracted worker. But then why is that to be on dynamite? Why are you using the time there for that instead of any of the other, because since this was the women's match on the show, any of the other people in your division who are actually contracted. So it just, to me, it just fell flat across the board. I agree. It was bad for all the reasons previously stated. Mike, it's your turn. I'm going to go right back to you. Sorry, bud. All right. But what was uh, what's your delete pick? I just Jeff Hardy and Bobby Fish. Like I love old man Jeff Hardy. I love the uh, Swanton Cannonball he does each time, and he did a really good one on Bobby Fish. You you saw Jeff's body snap with a a kind of momentum that only happens when someone's just going and cratering someone with a Swanton bomb. That was really sick. But the the match before that, it just style clash, uh, wind what have you. It was something that like building up this as Jeff Hardy's singles match debut and you give him Bobby fish and the match stunk and it wasn't very good. And they got the, the the crowd was really into this. Like the crowd was awesome at the start of the show, but then you had a 15 minute match that Jeff Hardy looked visibly winded several times. Bobby fish just did not match up well with Jeff Hardy. Like it's not a good match to highlight Jeff Hardy other than, he cratered him with a swanton. So I, yeah, I, I, I really dislike this. Uh, yeah, I didn't really watch it. Um, was too long. <laughs> uh, 
uh don't yeah you know I, I i knew what this would be doesn't sound like i was wrong i had it on uh but you know i had to okay i can't i, I didn't make any tweets from the everything AEW account so i can't claim i was doing that um it, it, it was a 15 minute match yeah so. it seemed long the crowd was hot for sure there was even a dueling chant i can't believe people were getting behind bobby fish in this spot that's crazy to me uh you know i get liking the undisputed elite i get liking red dragon I don't really get rooting for Bobby Fish in this spot to advance in a tournament uh, opposite a big star like Jeff Hardy. So, yeah, you know, th- this was I, I basically gave the gave the, sh- the episode of freebie here like, well, I'm not going to like the first match, so I'm going to I'm going to start looking at it critically after that. Yeah, I mean, it, it started off on on a bad foot because it's like a very weird match to start with. Like they usually do, you know, like a 15, 20 minute match. That's like, we're, we're working in here. We're doing all the work and it's like, okay. Uh, and you know, some people think Bobby fish is good at working. Uh, but you know, if you're thinking, okay, I want to do a 15 minute match with Jeff Hardy. It just like it can't be Bobby Fish, the guy he put in there with him to try to get that out of him. So that was bad. But I will say in moderate defense of the match, it was very funny. I mean, Jeff Hardy at one point, I mean, he was visibly gassed like 30 seconds in. And at one point, I forget what the spot was, but I want to say he was like standing over top of Bobby Fish and he just went, whew, like you could just see him <laughs> do it because he was so tired. That was funny. Uh, the Swanton was definitely funny. The way he took the Falcon Arrow was hilarious. Oh, I almost forgot about that. That was so good. Just just like super rotating in a way to make it probably hurt even more. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's really anybody you can put Jeff Hardy with for 15 minutes at this point right now. <laughs> they got to, you know, they're going to do Jeff and Darby. Uh, and, you know, Darby is probably somebody that mixes well with the most possible people in this promotion. Uh, I wouldn't give him 15 minutes. <laughs> Tell you that. Well, it's hard as like a baby face, because if, if somebody was just bumped for him, you know, like you could figure out how to make that compelling. I don't know about for 15 minutes, but you could figure out how to do it. But if he's the baby face and it's like against Darby, I, I don't really know what you do for, for 15 minutes, uh, but I'm sure Darby will figure out a way to do. I mean, yeah, I just, you know, but admit it, you know, charitably, admit it nine, Jeff's going to be winded. Yeah, 90 seconds, he's going to yeah. be winded. So, yeah, it'll it'll be something. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, I mostly agree, but there were some funny parts. So, you got to like that. Uh, it's my turn, and I'm going to go with, I you know, the most obvious one left on the board. Uh, which is the Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb segment toward the end of the show. Uh, Rosa, I don't know, just hasn't been interesting since like uh, maybe the Lights Out match. And that may, I may be being harsh uh, on that. So, you know, maybe it's a little bit later, but for a long time, she hasn't been very interesting. Uh, They definitely completely fucked like the right time to put the title on her uh so that was bad uh even i don't even think she's had very good matches anytime recently so she's to me very cold 
uh, and you know, D, I certainly don't care about, and I don't think she's good at anything. But I think we all agree that she's bad at promos. I don't think anyone thinks she's a good promo, uh, and this was bad. But even like, not only was she bad, but Thunder Rosa for some reason was doing these like this like Trump thing of like immediately <laughs> interrupting everything she said to like say something that was not necessary. And it even yes, fucked- yes, I agree with you, Aaron. Exactly. And it even like fucked up the timing of Deeb's like big line at the end of the promo. You know, yes, I think was- you're right. <laughs> or it's like, you're supposed to have this silence and then Deeb hits you with the whatever. You're not on my level or whatever the line was, but Rosa had just been like, oh, what? what? What is the thing you want to say? Huh? What do you want to say? So it was just fucking weird. Why? Like, they never give the women that kind of promo time. And yeah. they chose these two to give this, like, long promo segment to. Political hit is all I have to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said, really. But I did like watching this. Um <laughs> Rosa definitely has a different energy than anybody else when she comes out and does these promos. Like she's very much like starts these promos just by like talking normally and kind of matter of factly, uh, which is kind of unusual. Um, and then, yeah, I think, th- you know, this was the, this was the culprit. I think that most likely went along that affected the main event uh, because it was right before the main event and Rosa just, you know, did a lot of build up to get to whatever the point was, which was making this match. Um, but I, I didn't dislike her in it really. Uh, the the what the the uh, as far as her being cold, the last match of hers that I remember enjoying was the like Falls Count Anywhere tag with her and Mercedes against uh, I don't know who it was Jamie and Britt, Jamie and someone maybe. And they just like went into the crowd and like everything was, you know, everybody almost died like four times. That was cool. Um, Deeb, I didn't mind either because, you know, do I think she's like, oh, she's a great promo. Oh, she, you know, she has interesting things to say. Uh, you know, she's super interesting in delivering them. Uh, you know, she brings all this heat or whatever to the segment. No, none of that is true for me with Serena Deeb, but she does feel real. That feels like that is that lady. That feels like that is genuine, real article Serena Deeb coming out there and talking to Thunder Rosa. Uh, and that goes a pretty long way with me as far as like, uh, we were reminded of the the Diana Perrazzo Virtuosa video promo earlier today, right? Um, not the bathroom one, but the other like self-tape promo she did where she's like, trying to affect this character of a great promo. Uh, So she's like doing a bad promo and also being fake and insincere while she's doing that. (laughs) Like Scorpio sky. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, maybe not that Scorpio is not nearly that severe. Uh, But Deeb, you don't have any of that. That feels like real Serena Deeb just kind of like, Oh, I don't like listening to this lady talk to me. Uh, So yeah. Was it like a polished, well done segment. No, but I did kind of like watching it. it it's something that like it I, I I think with some of these segments, they're kind of just kind of set to fail in a way. 
in this segment because they gave them so much time or they went over their time. It just kind of ended up failing and just kind of exposed all those weaknesses that y'all talked about. All right. For our uh, listener delete, I mean, there were pretty much everybody said all the things we've already said. So, well, how about this one? Beanlar deletes Malachi Black's lip piercing. Do we have any lip piercing thought? No lip piercing thoughts. Um, the eye makeup, still very bad. Just very clearly makeup. We're supposed to believe that this is some malignant goop tumor that's infected him and is now spread to Julia. And it just looks like a whole bunch of black face makeup applied in an un- uninteresting way. So, yeah, that, that'll that delete for sure the the continued travails of the eye makeup. Didn't notice the lip piercing, I don't think. I just, like, never, like, I don't have, like, a stylistic take. I just wonder about, like, hygienically, like, that kind of ring. Because, like, I feel like it would be very prone to getting infected if the uh, piercing ever opens up or starts closing up because of just nature of it being on your your lip, I guess. But, yeah, no, uh, I'll co-sign it. Yeah, sure. Just seems unhygienic to me. I'm glad we're all getting there from different uh, pathways. I mean, I think that's good. All right, let's go through the rest of the show, you know, to the extent there are things we haven't talked about, which won't be many, uh, because it kicked off with the Jeff Hardy-Bobby Fish match we talked about. The the Young Bucks came out after, and so they had a little face-off with uh, the Hardys, so I'm sure we'll get that match eventually. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to do, and is fine. Um you know, commentary played it up big. Uh, just, it's weird to be, I don't know how much genuine interest there is in that match just because I don't have a real read on where all the AEW audience comes from. Because, you know, a lot of the AEW audience comes from like the Ring of Honor normies that were this like silent uh, minority in pro wrestling fandom, right? That got into Ring of Honor through BTE and all of a sudden, uh, made this big thing out of Cody and the Bucks and, and then Kenny. Uh, and they've they've seen this match. This match has been done. This match has been out there. And, you know, when, when all these guys were younger men. Uh, but going back to it now, I'm at, you know, there's certainly a big television audience that probably hasn't seen it. Maybe they would like to and be excited for it. But do they kind of appreciate the Bucks as like a generational team to be in that spot. I don't know. Just it, it, It's kind of in a funny spot for me where it's like, well, if this match is a really big deal to you, then you probably already saw it when they did it before. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't have that feeling of like once in a lifetime anymore. And I, at the same time, I feel like with the Hardys, I just can't see them lasting incredibly long in AEW as a as a joint act that you just kind of have to run with a match. It's like, Oh, when are we going to have the chance to run this match again? Who knows? Like we, we have them here now. There is some cachet with that. And I, I, I don't know if those bullet club hot, hardcores would be so lost though, Nate, because the, uh, if you like listen to the audience each time Jeff comes out, I, I feel like that that could get over at, or at least leave enough an impression for people who aren't familiar going like, oh, these guys local, but they seem like they're still a big deal. So 
I don't know. I, I, I get it. It does not have that feeling anymore, but I guess you just kind of have to go with it now before, you know, the, the Hardys leave. Didn't they do that match in Ring of Honor? Yep. Yeah, at least once. If, if not more than once. That's what I was thinking. Like at, on Mania Weekend, they did that match. Right. Yeah, they did that ladder match with the Bucks in Ring of Honor and then yeah. re-debuted in WWE like the day after. Yeah. That was the, I, uh, also the show where you rooted against Adam Page. Okay. I mean, really? Do we have to bring that up again? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it's like a... It's whatever to me. I don't really care, but I think it would be a fun match like in the middle of Double or Nothing if they want to cook it up that quickly and just kind of you can uh, enjoy it and, and move on. You don't have to think about it too too deeply. So be fine with me. Bucks aren't really doing anything interesting other than that. I think they should wait until Edge's contract is up. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, just imagine that the crazy faces Edge could be making in this company, though. That's that's what makes them fresh to me again, is having Edge and Christian as a third team. God, I'm just... A, no, I, pass. I, 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 I'm concerned they, about Edge's a, health, so we might not want to bring him in because... I think Edge is probably better in better shape than Jeff right now. I, I, I mean, he looks like he has a wasting di- disease, though, Nate. I don't, that's just I, his skin and his skeleton, Mike. He doesn't need that. Very overrated, the skeletal system. Um, no, yeah, I don't, I don't care for Edge. Never have. Yeah, but you know, you're not, I mean, you didn't care for Christian either, but that's the, you know, historic element to it that's untapped. Sure. The Bucks versus Hardys thing has been tapped. I didn't care for the Hardys either, to be honest. Big Dudley boy fan, Aaron Bentley over here. I I probably like the Dudleys better than either of those two teams. I get it. I mean, I don't, but I mean, <laughs> what if what if they can get the Dudleys and also no. the Duchess the Duchess of Dudleyville? No, no oh. bully Ray ever again. Never. Not, even, gonna... not even if they have the Duchess of Dudleyville, Aaron. Only if they hey. do bully Ray versus Billy Gunn. That's the only one. I, 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 <laughs> Wait, are you proposing that we have both Sandy and Stacy at the same show? Yes, I am. Oh, God. I mean, that's the pop culture event that WWE always tries to propose itself That's as. right. That's, that's yeah. AEW striking back. You got Jake Paul and Johnny Knoxville. We got Sandy Bullock and Stacy Keebler. Only if Stacy does the, the ring entrance that she's famous for. I assume that she would. That would be... That that was, you know, 80% of her act, so. And, and gives me pink eye. That's the only way. Mike, you gotta have to cut that out. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm mentally trying to, to cut that quote out. I'm, I, I, I might bring out the, mark, the beep mark again. Mark the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marking time. Uh, bring back right. the beep. Chris Regal. No. Uh, wait, what's this? William Regal. <laughs> i was trying to explain chris regal to sarah the other day how did i know this was going to be your poor wife <laughs> yeah well i forget somebody mentioned no i think somebody i think chris regal came to my mind and i was explaining chris regal and then i was like and then and that I, that led to the abby arthur story sure and how chris regal was like actually I'm alive. Yeah. 
Very well, I can t- I can tell you when I invoked that, if that refreshes your memory. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Is when, uh, what was the big controversy? Oh, the slap, the Will Smith slap. Oh, yeah. And then Chris D'Elia tweeted for the first that, time. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly like, what it was. This is exactly like Chris Regal popping back up to be like, oh, I disavow this Abby Arthur thing. That's exactly what it was. And I probably like cackled when I saw your message and Sarah's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the bark of the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. William Regal had a promo, a shortened version of the one that they had on socials and on uh, road to basically he, he does a thing about uh, if you're a pro wrestler, your scars tell the story of your soul. I'm making it sound cringe, but it was actually good. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club versus the Butcher, the Blade. And on Helico, very annoyed that they fired Jack and kept on Helico. That, I really don't care for that. Well, I guess I guess I'll say it's nice that they kept either of them if they weren't going to keep both of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Helico's. I I I mean, he was the gift, I guess, out of everyone who got released. Right? Like, you're the one who gets to stay, but you're watching everyone else go. With that. Well, yeah, he was injured for a while, so it was nice for them to. Right. Yeah. To to give him another shot, maybe. Uh, Actually, the idea of Helico continuing to do like the th2 shtick and wear all this you know neon green gear and stuff but as a solo act like just not noticing that his partner is gone is actually amusing to me yeah yeah no i mean just completely oblivious about it i mean yes the man the man stuck in another time (laughs) i mean he's, he's stuck in his vibe i mean he's too busy grooving out yeah uh i'm just wondering like is Jack Evans really that much of a liability that you don't re-sign him, though? Because that's the only reason why I could think you un- you don't sign Jack and you keep in Helico, right? Well, you know, they weren't going to use it. It's like Stu Grayson. So, yeah, if you didn't didn't hear that Stu Grayson is apparently no longer with the company, um, you know, they took him off the roster page and they weren't able to come to an agreement on a new deal or whatever, um, you know. I think Stu Grayson is great. Stu Grayson has a lot of cool moves and a good look. Um, and Jack Evans has a lot of cool moves and just a unique and wrestling Jack Evans energy. But, you know, if they're not going to use them and they weren't using them, then no reason to pay them, really. You know, this is this is not really a defense of not using them, but it is a defense of, well, don't pay them money to not use them. <laughs> I disagree. I think everyone should get paid to not work. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal, but uh, I won't, I won't put that upon Tony Khan to start that movement. I will. Wow. (laughs) This is uh, bold or something. Yes. Uh, Ricky Starks, man, I'm, I'm struggling and powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, we're backstage with Tony Schiavone. Jurassic Express interrupts. Uh, but Jungle Boy, for some reason, wants a shot at the FTW title before he will give a tag title match. Uh, Starks agrees. So we're getting that match soon. 
Uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland were backstage, also with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Keith Lee says, dubious, questionable, unproven, and does his little hand thing. And uh, he's mad about Taz. Was this a I shot? Pre- at, was this a shot at Austin Theory? <laughs> that's what I was. That's how I thought about it. Certainly seems like it. I love the little preacher hands. I love the preacher hands. That's my favorite. It really completes the Keith Lee uh, thesaurus act. Is whenever he has the preacher. Then we had uh, the Wardlow versus William Morrissey match. Uh, that word low one. We talked about the whole segment. Uh, and then for, I don't know, the 50th week in a row, we had Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter backstage with Tony Schiavone. And we're told they are going to open the show next week. Uh, I'm I'm not clear on whether that'll be a match or they'll just do this segment again, but it'll open the show. <laughs> I think could it could go either way. Match. It, it could, but certainly. It could. The Adam Page promo. And then we had... I mean, how did this not come up in the Elite? We had Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Jay Lethal backstage. Uh, they're mad that the carpet, red carpet is being rolled out for Konosuke Takeshita, or as Sanjay Dutt called him, Konosko, which was funny. Why not for Satnam Singh? So Jay Lethal challenged Takeshita for Rampage. Uh, so that is apparently happening. Well, I guess it's ar- probably already happened. Yeah, neat. It- and most importantly, Satnam Singh pointed to his tattoo that said one in a billion. That was the most important part of the segment. That's a sick tattoo. Sick uh, slogan, catchphrase, what have you. Uh, and yeah, they're putting it to cash it on TV. That's neat. Um, and this is a good match for him. Uh, and, you know, Joe threatens lethal later. So I kind of expect to cash it against the win with some Joe hijinks. Yeah, I feel like Takesha's going to get somewhat of a a push, maybe, while he's around. Yeah. Could be be fun. Hey, he's getting a push in PWG. That's right. I saw that. And Daniel Garcia won the title, right? PWG? That's right. Bandito is in the mud. One of our patrons came into my mentions on our our inaugural EE Real World Champion poll, uh, objecting to the fact that Bandito was not one of the eligible candidates. Uh, and you know what? Bandito has yet to be and is not an eligible candidate because he never successfully defended a title and then lost the title to Daniel Garcia. So um, great talent. Uh, I think it's tremendous. I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, uh, does not seem to be any interest from AEW for him. So Nate has confirmed that Kai is better than Bandito. Well, hey, not just I have confirmed. The patrons, the brain trust behind the poll have confirmed. Yeah, you just up the options there. You just make sure the trains keep running. But they have clearly stated that the Open the Dream Gate champion, Kai, better than Bandito. Yeah. Hey, if you want Bandito to successfully defend a world title, get out there and vote, patrons, even though he hasn't and won't. And I, I don't even know, like, was he on Triple Mania? He was. He was in the okay. weird Andrade, Diana, maybe Ty Valkyrie six-man match. It was a weird match of famous people. Yep. No, that all lines up in my head. That all lines up. Was Sandy Bullock in it? 
Uh, she wasn't. No, I think she was still coming to terms with the pro wrestling industry at that point. Yeah, I, I think her and Marciela Pena, like negotiations went deep into the night about her appearance in Monterey. Respect it. We had a grudge match. Santana versus Chris Jericho. Jericho won with a Judas effect after a low blow. And after the match, the Jericho Appreciation Society attacked. And there was no one there to make the save. The wizard, Chris Jericho. Like, did, did, was there any basis behind him, him wanting to be called the wizard that I completely missed on? Other than he just decided to be, call himself the wizard and it's very good. I guess because he shoots fire now is... He does magic, maybe. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the match itself, I mean, I thought it was fine. Like it kind of, like Aaron, when we were previewing us, we probably could have called pretty much everything that happened in the match, and it happened. Santana, as good as we expected, is Jericho. Is Jericho at this point, and Jericho got his one back. So yeah, they gotta do. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is building to a Jericho and Jerick feud. So I'm excited about mm. that. He's going to be the Joker in the Owen, obviously. Wow. Big, big breaking news here tonight. Yeah, I have had I've had some uh, scoops lately. So this is my big scoop. Uh, Jarek will be the Joker. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. Samoa Joe is backstage. Uh, he's coming after Jay Lethal. You can't do backstage promos with Keith Lee and Samoa Joe on the same show. So close together. I don't agree. I think uh, that should be the entire show. Should be backstage <laughs> promos. It's just yeah. talking to each other, talking to other people, talking to John Harbaugh, like talking I, to John Harbaugh, yeah. talking yeah. to Sandy Bullock, <laughs> Sandy Bullock, yeah, Sandy Bullock and John Harbaugh, just like oh gosh, I mean, we're, we're sitting basically... down for a meal together. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. The... Okay, I, I want to rebook the dinner debonair, but it's Sandy Bullock <laughs> and John Harbaugh. Right, right, yeah. And, and at least we're getting John. We're not getting any of that whole milk weirdness that with his brother. Like, like we're not getting any of that. Oh, did you not know that, Aaron? That, oh, I know about what... it. I just, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, listeners, Aaron visibly wretched when I brought that up. Like, Gusting. Jim Harbaugh, what a bizarre person. Just insane. Speaking of bizarre people who are insane, uh, the Gun Club and acclaimed segment was next. They scissored. Uh, the Varsity Blonde segment came next. Then we had the baddie section. And uh, Velvet says so she's going to qualify and win the Owen. And then uh, that'll make Jade happy. And then we had the Owen qualifier with Dante Martin versus Phoenix. Phoenix won with, I think, the Animo Driver, I think is what it's called. Might have been the... Black no, it wasn't. Thunder. It was. It wasn't the black fire driver because Dante did a really cool reversal of that when he set it up. Um, uh, yeah, I think it looked, maybe it was the Animo driver. Yeah, yeah. I it, it looked like a variant of it. Like I wrote down in my notes, Michinoku driver, but Animo driver. That sounds good. Uh, sick. He he pasted him with it. It lo- it was a sick finish. Yes, it cool as hell. Yeah, I mean, a very cool match. You know, this was not like blow away high speed. We're gonna go. You know. 15 minute match really they should have opened and closed the show with this match and just done two different versions of it i think that would have been the ideal um instead of the the bobby fish match and then the diana match uh but it was very cool mostly because it was just a showcase of hey dante let's see you know six of your coolest spots that you can't do with anybody else um 
you know, I'm Phoenix and I'm going to set you up for them. Uh, so we got to see some extremely cool spots from Dante mostly. Um, the, uh, the, the story of it really was like, <laughs> uh, Phoenix at the beginning selling that he was tired of Dante out jumping him and just jumping straight over him and doing all this lucha shit. That was very funny to me coming from Phoenix. Uh, and then, yeah, just some extremely sick spots, uh, and Phoenix winning. So, you know, he's the, he's the guy that should be like a push star. So getting him advanced to this tournament and getting some more singles matches out of him, uh, is definitely cool. Um, yeah, it's really just too bad, you know, with Darius being injured, uh, they couldn't get Dante into best of the super juniors. Cause that would have been, uh, great for him and great to watch. We had Darby and Sting backstage to talk about the Darby Jeff Hardy match. That'll be coming up in the Owen cup. Uh, it's, this is one of the all time great promos because Darby says, ah, Jeff Hardy, there's not really anything else to be said. And Sting says, Yeah. It's going to be a special night. And that was it. That was the whole whole promo. This was really... You would need this to be interspersed between your Keith Lee and Samoa Joe, right, Nate? Like, like, like you need yeah. them just as like the palate cleanser because what was this? Like, Aaron, you just read it all out. And the one thing you might have left out was it was both of these line readings were given with the most monotone just... Like there was no timber whatsoever in their voice. Like they no. said this in the exact same way about saying, oh, I need to go pick up my dry cleaning. Yeah, this was definitely like when you've been cutting the local promos for like two hours and you're like right at the end of the night uh, and you just do not give a fuck. That's what it felt like. So I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is they're doing, oh, you know, it, it speaks for itself. We don't have to say anything for it, you know, but just matter of fact, hey, it's happening and you guys all know how special it is and will be or whatever. Um, I imagine that was the intent. <laughs> the Thunder Rosa Serena Deeb segment was next. Then we had John Silver backstage. He's going to be wrestling CM Punk next week on Long Island. And he said, let's freaking go. Yeah, John Silver. CM Punk was a big heel last time he was in Long Island and John Silver hometown boy. So interested to see uh, white meat baby face against ultra heel CM Punk here. Probably that'll be fun. It, I like how we had this like right after the Rosa segment and the Darby and saying things. So yeah, like two completely different versions of that local promo. You have the one guy that's like, this is the only time I get on the mic. I'm just going to go for it. And being John Silver, and then you have Hulk Hogan at the end of a five hour session, not really caring to talk about Duquesne, Iowa. So. I, it's a, it was a nice compare and contrast. And then, of course, in the main event, Mercedes Martinez became the undisputed Ring of Honor Women's Champion with the Brass City Sleeper. That's what Mike tells me. It's a sick move. Like, going Romero Special and then doing the Dragon Clutch. Like, it looked cool as hell. It was impressive. Most impressive thing about the match, in my opinion. Well, that's Dynamite for this week. If you like our show best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe uh every week we we do a dynamite preview show we do a rampage review show uh we also i guess it was late last week we dropped this is sting part two mike and i talked about sting and really about wcw in general uh from 1990 through 1994 it was a fucking joy at least for me i had a great time doing it 
rave uh, reviews. Uh, it's gotten good reviews. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, folks. I'm gonna, I'd call them a rave. Yeah, people really like the This Is Sting series. There, I, 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 you know, I've listened to both of them. They're very entertaining. I think uh, they're well suited to your guys' strengths doing that stuff and diving into all the notes. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend them. And it, we get to talk about people like Kip Fry. Of wait, and, and Aaron has the conversation with me. Oh, I cut a lot of stuff out here, and then I unknowingly put all that stuff right into the show as we're going. <laughs> yeah, which that's that's good. That that what's really funny is it's like a hour and a half podcast. No, it's and, two. Oh, it's two hours, and we yeah. got on the line prepared to talk about 1990 through 1999. Yeah, and there, was, there was no chance we were going to get through that in when retrospect. we were an hour in and we were in 1992, I was like, oh, we're going to have to cut this right in half. Uh, so <laughs> we're, gonna, I, we're planning well, we're to at, do This is Sting Part 3 soon, and we'll uh, get that out this month. We're going to... So, so Part 3 will be to 99 then? Is that the... Yes, yeah. 95 okay. to 99. And then Part 4 will be the first two years of TNA? <laughs> No, it will be <laughs> all of his TNA run and the WWE run. Mm. God damn it. <laughs> uh, if you were, if you're considering joining, I mean, this should be enough to bring in. I'm going to be honest. But if you're considering joining, uh, we're going to be releasing uh, this is CM Punk on our free feed just to give you a, a teaser of something like this. This is me and uh, Case Low talking about CM Punk's career. This was right before he joined AEW uh, and Mike is also gonna uh, talk about best of the super juniors so it's a big month on the discord or on the discord on the patreon and that doesn't even we haven't even talked about of course that we'll have coverage of double or nothing uh, at the end of the month big may month yeah uh we, of course we'll have this is thing part four and then i'm lobbying for this is thing part five where i make aaron go through all of his deleted notes so i could react to them <laughs> buddy you don't want to know how many notes I have that I cut oh, out. As someone who's done projects like these before, yes, I do know. And that's why I think it'd be funny. I had, when I got done, before I started editing, I had 96 pages of notes. Oh, that's nothing. Come on. Well, Come on. Patreon.com slash everything elite. You can hear me losing my mind talking about Sting. Uh, on Rampage this weekend, my understanding is that uh, Nate and Mike, I believe, are on world tour yep. this weekend. Uh, and they'll be talking about Takeshita versus Jay Lethal, Hook versus JD Drake, which is just a delightful match to me, and uh, Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. So, honestly, this sounds like a sick episode of Rampage. Yeah, how about it? Yuka and Riho returning at the same time, and uh, one of them going to be eliminated immediately. <laughs> While Tony Khan has a, you didn't get to see this, Nate, but Tony Khan had a commercial about uh, Asian American Pacific Islander month and yeah. about how he really works hard because uh, he didn't see a lot of wrestlers that look like him growing up to make sure that uh, Asian Americans, Asian people, Pacific Islanders are featured regularly on his television shows. All right. Well, and the, the people they showed in the commercial were Wheeler Yuta, Riho. And Yuka Sakazaki. <laughs> hey, could have thrown Takeshita in there. He's got a yeah. he's got a bevy of options. They left one on the table. Hikarashita, he could have shown. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say Hikarashita in the mud at the moment. Oh yeah, well, I think I sense she's not long for this world. 
What does that mean? I just I sense she's gonna end up back in Japan. Yeah. Uh, no, like we no. So we did speculate that on that last week, but then she immediately did a tweet about doing her big Rocky comeback. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, we'll see. we probably worked ourselves into a shit. I love to do that. Dynamite next week. They're on Long Island. We got Ricky Starks versus Jungle Boy, Darby versus Jeff Hardy, Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood, the MJF and Warlow contract signing, and CM Punk versus John Silver. Mike and I will preview that uh, on light next week. So check back in with us for that. I think that's everything for Mike. No, no, I didn't do the whole, I didn't do all the other stuff. I think that's everything. We're on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya with two eyes. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five star rating and review, and uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite and subscribe. That's everything. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. <laughs>